everyone. I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, a testimony of your story for His glory. Back with us today, always a joy, is nationally known speaker, historian, and best-selling author of multiple books and DVDs chronicling America's noble heritage and the traditions of our nation that make our country great. His daily radio and weekly television broadcasts, American Minute, and his faith and history, respectively, give audiences nationwide the real truth behind some of America's most historic moments and the people that made them. And now, with his latest release, which is sure to be a holiday classic, There Really Is a Santa Claus, The History of St. Nicholas and Christmas Holiday Traditions, we can now have historical ammunition to debunk the naysayers and give joyous affirmation to our children at Christmas and all year long. Ladies and gentlemen, would you welcome back to Testimony, always a joy, my good friend, William J. Federer. Bill, welcome back to Testimony. Well, it's great to be with you. Well, it's great to have you back as always. Bill, let's get right to it. Tell us why Santa Claus is real and how he came into being. Well, St. Nicholas is the most popular Greek Orthodox saint. He is to the Greeks what St. Patrick is to the Irish, what St. Peter is to Roman Catholics. And he lived during Roman times. And during, during the first three centuries of Christianity, there were ten major persecutions. Christians were thrown to the lions. And so during this time, Nicholas, uh, he's a young man. His parents die and leave him a lot of money. And a movement swept through Christianity at the time called Pietism where you were expected to give away all your money and join a monastery, and so he gives away all his money, but he wants to do it anonymously. And so he would sneak into town and throw money in the window of poor people, because he wanted the glory to go to God and not to him. And one story is a merchant in the town of Patara, Asia Minor today, that's Turkey, but a merchant had gone bankrupt, and he had three teenage daughters, and the creditors back then would come and not only take your house and lands, they would take your children. And if his three daughters were taken, it would mean a very unfortunate life, obviously. And so he thought if he could hurry up and marry his daughters off, the creditors could not take them. Unfortunately, he did not have money for a dowry, which was needed in that area of the world for a legally recognized wedding. Well, Nicholas hears the problem. Late one night, sneaks into town, throws some money in the window. Supposedly it landed in a shoe or a stocking that was drying by the fireplace. The oldest daughter now has a dowry. She gets married, does it for the second daughter. When he throws it in for the third daughter, the dad was up waiting, runs outside, catches him, and Nicholas makes the father promise not to tell where the money came from because he wanted the glory to go to God and not to him. Mm. So this was the origin of the tradition of secret gift-giving on the anniversary of Nicholas's death, December 6, 343 A.D., stockings by the fireplace and midnight visits. and Well, once his money's gone, he decides to join a monastery in the Holy Land, Mount Zion, but before he does, the Lord tells him not to hide his light under a bushel. So on his way back, he actually stops off in Bethlehem and visits the Church of the Nativity. And uh, even Mark Twain, uh, when he visited the Holy Land uh, in the 1860s, uh, he came back, wrote a book called Innocence Abroad. And Mark Twain says, 
This is the spot where the first Merry Christmas was uttered in all the world, and from whence the friend of my childhood, Santa Claus, departed on his first journey to gladden and continue to gladden the roaring firesides on wintry mornings in many a distant land forever and ever. Anyway, so Nicholas, after he goes to Bethlehem, so that picture of Santa Claus kneeling by the, the crib, that, that, you know, it's got some historical precedent. So Nicholas goes back to Asia Minor, and unfortunately, the bishop had died in the city where he lands. It's called Myra, M-Y-R-A. Today it's a city called Demre. Hmm. Uh, the bishop had died. They couldn't decide who the next bishop was going to be. And one of the church leaders has a dream that the first person to church to church the next day would be named Nicholas, and he was to be their next bishop. He goes there, and sure enough, they tell him, you're the man. Uh, he was not too thrilled, because the Roman emperor was arresting bishops and killing them. Wow. So it was sort of like, you be the bishop, though I insist you first. <laughs> right. and, um, but he is arrested, he's put in jail awaiting death, and suddenly the, the emperor, Diocletian, is struck with an intestinal disease, so painfully abdicates the throne, May 1st, 305 AD. And you have to appreciate the poetic humor. The emperors had been declaring themselves a god, demanding their image be worshipped, and so this is sort of like a god resigning. <laughs> the next emperor, Galerius, continues the persecution. He dies of the intestinal disease, and now it's a toss-up among four generals as to who will be the next emperor, and Constantine is a general in York, Britain. His men get the news, they surround him, and they yell, Hail Caesar! He marches down toward Rome, and he fights the Battle of the Milvian Bridge against Maxentius in the year 312 A.D. The, the story is that Constantine sees the sign of Christ in the sky the day before the battle. The sign was the first two letters of the Greek name for Christ. So the Christ is a Greek word, and the first letter that makes the ka sound is written by the Greeks as a big X. It's called Chi, and the letter that makes the R sound for Christ, for the R, is called the Rho, and it's written as a big P. And so the 3rd century Christian artwork will have a big X and a P, which is the first two letters of the Greek name for Christ, the Chi and the Rho. Over the centuries, it got short, shortened just to the Chi, the X. It was called the Christ Cross, and that's the origin of Xmas. So the X hyphen M-A-S is not an X crossing out Christ. It's the Greek letter Chi that stood for Christ. So now Nicholas is let out of jail. Constantine stops the persecution of Christians. And Nicholas preaches publicly against paganism. Nearby is the Temple to Diana. It was twice as big as the Parthenon in Athens. 127 huge pillars. It was called the, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And it was filled full of temple prostitutes. It was the Las Vegas of the Mediterranean. The Apostle Paul preached against Diana worship in Acts chapter 19. And Nicholas does the same. And now it's in the early 300s. And the people get stirred up enough. They tear the temple to Diana down. So he would have been a fire and brimstone preacher today. <laughs> uh, and then there's the Arian heresy. A guy named Arius says Jesus is a little less than God, a created being, writes a catchy song. The Visigoths, who were a people group that came into Rome, they converted mass to Arianism, and that splits the Roman Empire. So Constantine orders all the bishops to hurry up and come to Nicaea and settle it. They do. They're at the Nicaean Creed. And the story is Nicholas was so upset at Arius for starting this heresy that Nicholas slapped him across the face. So jolly old St. Nick had a little temper there. Anyway, there's some miracles attributed to him. There was a storm. Sailors couldn't get active the dock. He goes and prays. The sea becomes calm. Another is famine. He asks the sailors to unload some grain from their ships to feed his people and promises God will bless them on their return trip. They say the grain that was left had multiplied. Lots of stories the Greeks have. 
He dies 343 A.D. on December 6th. Fast forward to the year 988 A.D., Vladimir the Great, the first emperor of Russia, converts to Greek Orthodox Christianity and adopts Nicholas as the patron saint of Russia. That's why so many people in Russia are named Nicholas or Nikolai. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to historian William J. Federer. Well, the information's all in the book. There really is a Santa Claus. And my website's AmericanMinute.com, where they can order. In the year 1087, Muslims invade Asia Minor, turn it into Turkey. They destroy all seven churches mentioned in the book of Revelation. All the cities that letters are written to, Ephesus, Colossae, Galatia, Philippi, Corinth, all the cities wiped out by the Muslims. As they're destroying churches, the Christians move the famous St. Nicholas over to Italy in the year 1087. And the pope that dedicates the church is Urban II. He's the same pope that a couple years later goes to the Council of Claremont and begs the kings of Europe to send help to these Greek Christians that are getting killed. They send help. It's called the First Crusade. So the same pope that welcomes Nicholas's traditions to Western Europe is the one who calls for the First Crusade. Well, the gift-giving catches on so much that St. Francis of Assisi in the 1200s comes up with a nativity scene. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, donkeys in the manger, saying, look, all this gift-giving is fine, but it's a distraction from Jesus. We need to get back to the real reason for the season. Jesus was born in the manger. The Son of God, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You know, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Then the Reformation comes, and Martin Luther ends the saint's days. By this time, there's a saint's day for every day of the year. Churches are filled full of statues. And so the Germans liked all the gift-giving that went with the St. Nicholas Day. And so Martin Luther says, okay, we'll move all the gift-giving to December 25th. And all gifts come from the Christ child. And the German pronunciation of Christ child is Chris Kindle. And over the centuries, like Kinderkare, Kindergarten, Chris Kindle, over mm-hmm. the centuries, it got pronounced Chris Kringle. So Chris Kringle is really Chris Kindle, which means Christ child. And then you have the Dutch. Now, you've heard the saying that Catholics say St. Peter is at the gates of heaven. Well, the Greeks have their own saying, and it goes back to the Book of Revelation, where Jesus will return at the end of the world to judge the living and the dead riding a white horse. And the saints will come back with him riding white horses. And St. Nicholas is a saint, after all, so he will be one of those riding a white horse. But since he's so special to the Greeks and the Dutch, they have him coming back once a year for a little mini-judgment, a little checkup on the kids, see if they're on the right track. And in Norway, they didn't have horses, so he's riding a reindeer. And the saints come from heaven, the celestial city, the New Jerusalem, that turns into the North Pole. And the Lamb's Book of Life and Book of Works turns into the Book of the Naughty and the Nice, and the angels turn into the elves. And so you can sort of see where the story gets a little bit embellished. But to this day in Holland, they have St. Nicholas coming once a year, riding a white horse, dressed as a bishop, with his mitered hat, his staff, and his robes, and on a white horse. And he has with him a little helper, Zwarte Pete, Black Peter, and he's a Moor a Muslim from Spain, and they tell the naughty kids that Zavarte people put you in a gunny sack and take you back to Spain and sell you into Muslim slavery. <laughs> and so the good kid gets the presents, but the, I talked to one guy from Holland. He said that all the little boys in this neighborhood would go to sleep with a pocket knife in their pocket the night that St. Nicholas was going to visit. And I said, why is that? He goes, that's to cut ourselves out in the gunny sack in case we woke up and Zvarte Peter took us. <laughs> uh, but the Dutch well. settled New Amsterdam, which became New York. Now, the Puritans settled Massachusetts, and they outlawed Christmas. They said it was uh, Henry VIII that made it into this drinking party, Mardi Gras time. But the Puritans uh, said, no, it's too worldly, and so they outlawed it. But the Dutch settled New Amsterdam, which became New York. And the Dutch loved Christmas. They loved
St. Nicholas, and that's where the tradition came to America. So the Dutch pronunciation of St. Nicholas is Saint Nicholas. So if you say Saint Nicholas a couple times, you call it the Santa Claus. Wow. The Santa Claus is basically the Dutch pronunciation of St. Nicholas. But if you peel back all the stuff that's been added on, there really was a man who lived in the 3rd and 4th century named Nicholas. He loved Jesus, went to prison for his Christian faith, preached against paganism and immorality, and confronted corrupt politicians, and he was generous, gave to the poor, and he did it anonymously. He, he wanted the credit to go to God and not to him. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to William J. Federer, author, historian, radio and TV host of the popular American Minute and weekly television broadcasts, His Faith in History. You can learn more about Mr. Federer's work, ministry, and mission by visiting AmericanMinute.com and get his latest, There Really Is a Santa Claus, The History of St. Nicholas and Christmas Holiday Traditions. You and your children will be blessed you did. Bill, thank you for taking precious time during this holiday season to share with our audience the truth about Santa Claus, who epitomizes the essence of giving, especially at Christmas. But more importantly, how at Christmas we celebrate the real reason for the season, the birth of Jesus Christ and the God who gave His Son so we might have eternal life, the greatest gift of all. Thank you, Bill. God bless you, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensine Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ, one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensinebard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensine Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for Testimony. Testimony.